<laughs> oh, here we are together again. This is OWC Radio, and today we are sharing something with you that makes me very happy. The Orphaned Starfish Foundation. Orlando Lunar producer, benefactor, and Andy Stein founder and executive chairman spent some time talking with me about three of my favorite subjects, technology, creativity, and storytelling. I'm your host, Serena Catania, inviting you to listen in. I have Orlando Luna here with me, and we're going to talk about an amazing program that you are a producer and one of the benefactors of, and it's called Orphaned Starfish. Uh, It's a nonprofit, and they're doing wonderful things. So Orlando, can you first of all tell us a little bit about Orphaned Starfish? Well, uh, um, there, there's, a, there's a filmmaker on the West Coast uh, named Sam Messman who runs an organization called We Make Movies. And I've known Sam for a little while through, um, through my day job at Apple. And he told me about this, this stuff he was doing. He's like, listen, I'm going to these underserved areas and I'm doing these filmmaking workshops. And we're telling these amazing stories. You know, the, these kids have the most breathtaking stories you'll ever hear. And, and, and I saw the passion he spoke about it with, which was, it's almost like he found his life's calling. And I'm like, tell me more about it. And uh, when he, you know, when he told me about it, I told him, you know, I need to know a little bit more, but, but I think I'm in. And, and, you know, so Sam first introduced me to the uh, foundation organization. And then I met their, uh, their founder. And there's a, there's a little bit of a backstory behind that, that I'm happy to talk about, which made it even cooler. Yeah, his name is Andy Stein, right? Yeah, his name's Andy Stein. Yeah, tell yeah. what's the backstory? Come on, you can't say oh, something like he, that he, and then he, not he, tell me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, he, what he is it? I want to know. <laughs> he refers to himself as a recovering banker. <laughs> you know, oh. he was he was actually a really big finance guy and has financed huge projects like uh, highways in Panama and a bunch of hotels and quite a bit of celebrity stuff and uh, you know all these things he's done. It, it's been, you know, just amazing stuff in his business life. But he, you know, he, he found it, um, he was traveling a lot and he found it a little empty. And he said, hey, this is kind of cool, but I, I want to do more. Andy, tell me how you got started with all of this. Um, I was in banking and investment banking for over 20 years. But my passion has always been working with children uh, ever since I was a kid. I did bike-a-thons, walk-a-thons, rose up through the ranks of Special Olympics, was Chemical Banks Volunteer of the Year. But... Um, when I, about 20 years ago, I was the number one flyer in the state of New Jersey for Continental Airlines, and I hated getting on another plane. <laughs> so what I uh, did was go to every uh, country manager and say, like, look, if you want me to come to your, and pitch business, come to your country and pitch business, you have to find me an orphanage two hours on the schedule and we play with some kids. I'm an amateur magician and I make balloon animals and I just wanted to be with kids while I was on a business trip. Um, and every country manager at the bank would find me an orphanage somewhere and I'd spend a couple hours playing with these amazing kids. Um, the place I was going the most was Santiago, Chile, and it was a beautiful orphanage for victims of some of the worst abuse in Chile. Um, these girls had been through the worst you could possibly imagine, but they were always so loving and friendly and hopeful. And one day the nuns took me aside and they said, look, Tio Mago, Uncle Magician, the girls love you, they can't wait till you come back. But I'm not sure if you know what happens here. At the age of 18, by law, these girls considered adults and they have to leave the orphanage. There's predators waiting outside. 
and within a year, 100% of these beautiful flowers will become prostitutes or live on the streets. Hmm. That was my aha moment. I went back, uh, blackmailed the law firm who had made Musmanafi the year before, and had them set up a 501c3 in a week. This was back 2001. Um, and uh, lo and behold, we set up the foundation. I raised $40,000 from friends and family. And we started a foundation called then the Starfish Foundation. It's more to the Orphan Starfish Foundation. And we decided together with the nuns that education and job training was going to be the way out for these kids. So we built a state-of-the-art computer center, and I committed for life, not really knowing how, that we would support the center, the teacher, the supplies, the maintenance of those computers for life. Um, and it was magic. The younger kids, six months later, the younger kids were the top of their class. The older girls, the older girls had learned to use Microsoft Office. They learned to use the keyboard. They learned to use the internet. They had a skill. And now I have a lot of statistics, but in almost 20 years of operations um, in that orphanage, only one girl's gone to the streets. Every other girl's gone on to university or gotten a full or part-time job. And then I can go through the next 19 years very quickly, but all I'll tell you is I went from country to country to country. As I did, the foundation grew and grew. Uh, my desire to do more business and not do philanthropy went down. So I uh, dedicated my life, and about 10 years ago, I gave up money altogether um, and dedicated myself full-time to the foundation. And since that point, we've gone to now help 15,000 children around the world. And he started doing magic shows at orphanages while he was traveling, uh, first in Chile and then in other parts of the world. But, but in Chile in particular, he was doing these magic shows, and he, he was just having the greatest time. But after doing them a few times, he, he was going to these uh, girls' orphanages, and they were having a great time, and so was he. Uh, one of the nuns took him aside after a few times he had been there and said, hey, Andy, you know, we love having you. You know, you're, you're, you're brightening their day. You see the smiles. But I just kind of want you to know 100% of these girls, the moment they turn 18, will become prostitutes. They don't have another avenue. And this just hit him like a, like a ton of bricks. And he's, you know, his first thought was, well, we have to do something about that. And that's essentially how he started the foundation. I thought I was only going to save 32 girls in Chile. And now we're helping 15,000 around the world. He started doing it part time at first. And then it kind of grew into a, a full time endeavor. And he's, you know, dedicated his life to doing this. This is all he does. He, he goes around the world. Um, they've got like... 60 different centers and 25 plus countries. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it really is a story. The beauty of the, of the story is, and I got the experience firsthand. I went to a tour Panama with him because we were setting up for doing one of these workshops prior to, you know, all the quarantining going on. And uh, he, he didn't set me up for it, but these are not sad stories. I mean, the backstories are sad for sure. The, the, you know, some of, some of these orphans have been through, you know, just most the most unmentionable kind of things. But these are not these are joyful children's and young young teens just with great stories and and they have a thirst for knowledge and attention. And and what he did is he he basically started a technology program um, first with his own centers and then affiliated with other centers where they're teaching uh, the basics of computers, coding, They've oh, expanded nice. it to robotics, all kinds of stuff that, that uh, you know, is just so needed in these areas. So you have a very strong background in technology. I do. I do. And, and then I have a kind of a, I have, you know, I have kind of a personal connection to this, too, which kind of led me to it. Um, you know, 
when when I when I first heard about it from Sam, and then I ended up meeting Andy, uh, which was interesting. Uh, I call I called Andy up, and I and he, you know, they're based in New York. I asked him, hey, you know, I'm in New York quite a bit. You know, when can we meet? And he told me, well, um, I just moved to Miami, so I'll let you know when I'm in New York. And mm-hmm. my response was, well, I I live in Miami, <laughs> and we, we ended up having lunch like two days later. But I'm adopted, so I came you know, from that world and had the, you know, most amazing parents. Uh, but, you know, I, I realized, you know, my life could have gone completely different. Yes. You know, circumstances could have made it very, very different. And I could have been growing up in that situation. So it hit me really personally. And, yeah. you know, to be able to not only tell their stories, but, you know, to even talk to these kids and go, hey, you're kind of my story, not to the same extent, or it's, it's not the same story, but, but, you know, it certainly could have been. I'm sure that the kids are very inspired when they see you, a very successful person, come in and you're talking to them about the potential and what can happen if they learn these new skills. I wish I could be a fly on the wall next time you do that. I think that's that's amazing. So oh, they, they, they just love they, they love the attention because let's face it, you know, a lot of a lot of these kids, you know, that's one of the things they haven't gotten. And um Although the orphanages are both girls and boys, there's probably a stronger mix of, of females. And quite frankly, Andy is probably one of the first solid male presences that they've had in their life. You know, a male that wasn't trying to take advantage of them or, or wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, trying to look for something. Mm-hmm. So so they, they love the attention from anybody, but certainly, you know, c- coming in and saying, hey, we're going to learn all this cool stuff and... And uh, it's not about me or Andy. It's about you guys and, and the stories you have to tell. Okay, so Orlando, I have a question. What right. what equipment's in the kit? What do you take with you in the field? Well, well, we, we start out with a group of iPhones. You know, it, it's it's easy to use. Has a terrific camera. You know, they can just use an iPhone. So that that's where that's our starting point. Uh, for microphones, we got a variety of mics. Uh, you know, we've been using some Rode video mics, but also some of the Ceramonic products. Uh, we usually give them a boom pole so they can do audio out in the field with folks. Uh, little clip mics that actually attach directly to the iPhone. Apogee makes a uh, a clip mic digital that's that's straight into the iPhone, so they each get an iPhone for the sound, and and, th- and then we tie it into this kind of really cool system. Uh, made by UltraSync Blue, that's a, t- a Bluetooth timecode generator. Uh, that, in conjunction with Apogee's Meta Recorder, lets us record independent audio with, and we can name via metadata each of the mics. So we could say, you know, this is, you know, Serena's mic, this is Orlando's mic. It's, it syncs the timecode via Bluetooth. So when you actually bring it into Final Cut, it all has matching time code, and it's already tagged with the person's name. It, it feels almost magical. For anybody that's done audio and you're trying to figure out and tag audio later on or rename it, you don't have to do any of that. It just pops into the app, and it's all of a sudden, wow, I've got everybody's audio, and it's all in sync. This is like kind of the, the gorilla way of doing it, and it's great, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, it, I've it, told people in the past, use a GoPro because they're synced to the atomic yep. clock. And mm-hmm. you can use that to kind of sync your non-existent time code yeah. with your other devices. This is good news. I haven't tried it. I'm going to try yeah, it. And, and then software-wise, they're shooting with Filmic Pro, 
And right. Filmic Pro also ties into this time code generator. So now you've got video and audio all with matching time code. And in Filmic, you can name the clip the way you'd like it. So you can do, you know, we teach them ahead of time to be a little organized because we know when they get to the edit session, we want them to focus just on telling their story and not worry, worry about managing the, all the digital files. Mm-hmm. And they still need a little help with that. But, but you know, for them, it's, it's great. It's, it's great. These kids... If you don't tell, I think I've said this before, if you don't tell them something's hard, they don't know it's hard. They're just like, yeah, okay, that's, that sounds good. You know, that's we're the awesome. ones that are like, we're the ones that think it's hard. You know, what uh, about lights? Do you, do you take uh, any lights? lights? Not, not too much. Uh, you know, they use natural light, but aperture, we're using some of these small aperture. I think they're the ALM nine lights. They're, they're tiny. They, they can mount on the actual uh, phone. So we, we use, uh, you know, iographer mounts for the, for the phones. This is a, it's a frame that goes around the phone and lets you attach mics and lights and, uh, the aperture light pops right in and it, it's super bright. It can be used just as a fill light if they're shooting outdoors. If they're doing interviews, sometimes they'll, you know, pop one on the camera and maybe a second one off to the side and, uh, and have like a key light and a fill or, or just a background element. So we have several of these, you know, kind of at their disposal. So each crew, and we divide them in the little mini crews of four or five, you know, each crew gets their own kit, um, you know, two or three lights, you know, multiple iPhones, uh, multiple mics uh, for the actual shooting sessions. And then later on, uh, when we go into edit sessions, they get, you know, their, their editing hardware, so to speak. So gimbals, tripods. Yeah. Yep. So we have the DJI uh, gimbals. Uh, a variety of the, uh, I think the Osmo 2 and the Osmo 3, uh, depending on what we can get for, for each session. So th- that comes in the kit, and, and they love the gimbals. <laughs> you, you, when they put the, you know, they love the phones, but the minute they put it in the gimbal and they start running around, they're just, they're having so much fun with it, you know, just, just you know, doing all kinds of, of, of shots. And the beauty of it is we tell them how it works, but we, we, we absolutely are really careful we're not giving them theology and saying, here's how you should shoot with this. We really want them to go experiment and, and try to think of something that they think is cool from a, from a camera perspective. Because, you know, you're always trying to balance giving them instruction so they know how to use equipment. But at the same time, we're not trying to dictate even how they use the equipment because that's kind of part of the creative process. And I know they love that. Don't tell me what to do or how to do it. Just just wind me point up me. and throw me out there. <laughs> yeah, point me in the direction and let me go. So they're outside or inside, wherever they go to, to capture their story. This is scripted, non-scripted, non-scripted, right? It, it Actually, it's kind of scripted. Okay. We, 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 we usually, you know, depending on the time we're, we're with them, if it's a really short time, uh, we we give them a project just to, so they can complete something uh, like a know, log just, line. Yeah, or we'll, or we'll give them like a, a mini project and say, hey, go go shoot the opening of a door. Do five okay. shots and and and, sh- and illustrate opening a door, and and it gives and and we limit them to that. We say, hey, so they do the you know what you would think the close up of someone touching the door, the door opening, but they've become far more clever than that. There's some there was uh, one of the kids did this video where. Where, where they had a balloon and, and you followed the balloon around, at, you know, at, through the exit. And in the end, it was outdoors and it flew away. I mean, you have to really see it. But just 
really, I mean, uh, who could have thought of that? Just, uh, again, exposing someone's uh, creativity. And, and we like to do that because it gives them the feeling of, wow, I started a project and now I finished it. Mm-hmm. And then the second step is, is they actually script something. We, we give them some kind of theme. Uh, again, theme relating to where they're at. And the theme is super open-ended. You know, it could be, you know, you know, give us give us something on, on the history of, of, of this environment. And, and it could be whatever they whatever that means to them or, or what does this if we're at one of the facilities, what, what is the You know, what does the facility mean to you or, or you know, and they, they could focus on a person or they can focus on the facility themselves. And they actually do script it out. You know, we asked them, you know, build a shot list, script it out. We work with them on it and we say, hey, here's here's what you'd like to do. And then when we divide them up in the groups, we usually have a mentor with each group that goes on the shoot, helps them with any technical difficulties, helps them with the script. Uh, as you know, scripts, they might be out in the field and then all of a sudden they see something and they're like, oh, this wasn't in the script, but maybe I could do this. And then we, we actually have a conversation. Well, how does this fit into your story? I mean, ultimately, the baseline is we're trying to help them with the storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, the technology is, is the vehicle and we want to, to take that out of the way. But we want them thinking in terms of story and, and what's compelling. And we always tell them, you know, if this is interesting to you, uh, it, it could be definitely very interesting to somebody else. I mean, there, it's not a there's not a, a, a deep, granular criteria for what you're doing. You know, if, if this excites you, we want to see it. And you might be surprised that other people are going to be excited by it as well. They've shot. You've given yep. them you've given them the storyline or or they've made their script, they've done their shot list, they go out, they have all this great equipment, uh, a certain amount of time to shoot. They come back in and then what happens? Then it's edit time. You know, we, we help them get the media on systems. So for hardware it's been either the Mac you know, the MacBook Pros or or you know, uh, iPads, depending on the session. If it's the MacBook Pro, they're, they're usually, we give them the option of iMovie, but we do some basic instruction on Final Cut. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say 20 times out of 20, they opt for Final Cut. You know, they're, they're almost challenged. They're just like, hey, oh, I get to use Final Cut Pro? Great. Uh, on, on the iPads, we actually uh, use LumaTouch. And we find, you know, the same, the same reaction. We give them some basic instruction on uh, getting the, the media in. We help them out with that. Uh, they learn basic editing, and then we let them go and, and, and do their thing. And, and because we did, I think we do a good job on the organization end, when they're actually bringing their media in, uh, they're, they've already got a lot of that work done. You know, on the iPads, you know, we'll airdrop it into the iPads. On the MacBook Pros, we'll either airdrop it or, or plug straight in, and sometimes we'll have, you know, some external media around and we can plug that in as well. But but they're good to go, and they start editing right away, and and cutting. And and I think the great the great thing is they get so excited that almost like an hour in they're already going. Uh, how do I speed ramp this clip? And <laughs> exactly. and I'm scratching my head, going, What do you mean speed ramp? You just learned to edit. And then and then two hours later, you know, uh, some of them are doing multicam. It's like oh, we did like ten shots, and we put it into a multicam. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, we had we had uh, we had one of them who had, I, I think, done a lot of reading on, on stuff. And he's like, 
you know, how do I put a LUT into this? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, LUT? <laughs> You're kidding, right? And he's like, no, no, I, I don't want to have to color correct. I, I heard you could just put a LUT in and it's going to look great. <laughs> so, so uh, it's the, called the thing Rec learned, 709. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing I learned is don't underestimate these kids. Uh, and um, I knew they were, they were smart and sharp and special, but their, their absorption of this is, is, is incredibly rapid. And, and by the end of this, um, you know, we, we've got the hardware, they, they've put it together, we help them edit. Uh, you know, again, most of the help tends to be like, you know, because uh, you know, we limit them to maybe how much they shot just to, to keep it controllable. So sometimes they'll be doing some speed ramping and, you know, how, you know and they'll want to zoom in on a shot for maybe B-roll. And, and, but, you know, we keep it, you know, they keep it pretty clean in terms of editing. And uh, and sometimes they need some help on the audio side, just some some cleanup work, it, you know. But but for the most part, again, we want them focusing on the story, and and that ends up becoming where they spend a lot of time, like we do, right? They'll mm-hmm. they'll scratch their head and go, "Gosh, I don't know if this shot works," uh, or they'll be like, "God, we spent so much time on this shot, and now it doesn't feel like it fits." <laughs> you know, I go, "Yeah." Welcome to our world, you know. Uh, so they go through some of the same iterations we do organically because we, we, we never tell them ahead of time, hey, you might go out and shoot something and, uh, and, and it's your baby and then you get on the editing line and all of a sudden you have to make a decision. Uh, they, they come to that on their own and, uh, and, and that's fantastic. So you have a library of music and sound effects too that helps drive story so mm-hmm. they can use that, right? Yeah, 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 using using all the materials um, on the audio side. Since we usually have a short amount of time with them, uh, you know, we'll we'll use we'll use some royalty free audio pieces, or even better, in, in a lot of the cases, they'll they'll find some stuff that's that's actually tied into their story or or their region or the country. Like you know, if we're in Panama, there they'll look for some Panamanian music that's royalty free and and kind of pull that in. Uh, and and pull that in as part of the storyline. And for a lot of them, you know, the, the one thing we do guide them at the beginning is, you know, you may just have a very distinct visual story in your mind, but for some folks, uh, sometimes music drives the story. You know, that there's a there's 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 a uh, a piece of music that kind of drives the narrative of what they're trying to put together, and mm-hmm. and you know, all kinds of different perspectives. It, it's been wonderful to see. All these manufacturers, from small to big, you know, once you tell them what you're doing, the, their response is universally, "What can we do?" There, there is no, "Hey, let's put this through some process and bureaucracy." The response is all, "Hey, what can we do? We're, we we want to help." You yeah. know, and 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 I think it shows if if you put something in front, people generally want to help, as long as they they're they can be really sure their help is getting to the right people. And and the beauty of these workshops is in the very end, we have, we have, you know, short films to screen short films that we can put up online. So there's something actually tangible in the end that they can take a look at and go, Oh, mm-hmm. look at all this stuff we're helping with ended up, you know, coming out as something. It's not just going into, you know, a bit of a black hole. I'm a huge supporter of uh, both. We make movies and smartphone studio just in terms of what they do. And, we came to Rancho Bernardo recently and taught elementary school and middle school kids using shooting on iPhones and the whole package like you were just describing. I was amazed at how at such a young age, the kids are not afraid 
of technology at all. They just are like sponges. And then well, when you combine that with the ability to tell a story, like you're saying, put the short film together that tells something that means something to them personally. I, th I think it's really important to tell stories, to tell it, it, family it stories, local stories, because there's no record of that. If you travel around the country, where do you find those little microcosms, the stories about grandma, grandpa, or something that matters to them in their community? And it's, it's important, right? It, it's super important work. And, and it's, it's beautiful because it's so personal. You know, um, I, I know Sam. Sam has a, a long history on the West Coast, uh, kind of working, you know, in, in various aspects in Hollywood. And and I think he he this is what why he came to this he 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 found the stories he was participating in not particularly interesting to him personally he he wanted to know about these stories of, of what's going on in the community these things we can't even imagine I mean how many times ha have you seen a short film or, or or even maybe something that makes it to an indie film that's a very personal story that there's no way you could have made that up. It's somebody's life experience kind of put on film. Mm -hmm. and and to be able to help these kids with that is just uh, you know, it's just wonderful to be you know any part of it. So you're providing uh, the schools with not the schools or the orphanages with the the uh, the camera, the sound, the lights. Do you provide the lights as well? Um, yeah, or... we, Aperture's been sending okay. us some some okay. lightings. I think we've gotten some some stuff from other manufacturers. Okay. But yeah, so we, we supply kit, lighting. Like you said. Yeah, it, it's it's literally a traveling kit. And wow. then of course, you know, we, we we apply instruction, but but it's a little bit different than I think what traditional education does. First of all, we we have to be really flexible. We might have 3 days somewhere. Mm -hmm or maybe we have five, or maybe we have two weeks, or maybe we have a whole semester. Mm -hmm. But but uh, generally, it's it's a smaller amount of time where, where we can put resources together. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so and, you know, supplying the instruction is, is really, really important. But but I almost view it more like mentoring than instruction. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it kind of flip-flops the traditional methodology for training, which has been, hey, let's teach you a lot of theory, and then we'll teach you some more theory, and then you'll go do it. Uh, this reverses it. I mean, on day one, they're already shooting. Yeah, uh, they're already great. you know getting shots done. Uh, you know, by day two, they're editing. Uh, they're you know sometimes they're doing multicam editing or they're taking multiple camera feeds. And one of the things we found is the beauty of it when you put this technology in front of these kids. If you don't tell them this this is hard stuff to do. They don't know it's hard stuff to they do. Don't. They just start. They doing. don't. You just teach them once or twice. <laughs> um, you know how to how to speed ramp or slow mo a video, which you know there's entire courses and long YouTube videos on how to do. And you teach them for ten minutes, and they play around with the tool for ten minutes, and the next thing you know, they're they're coming up with stuff and and uh, just seeing <laughs> that seed planted, and all of a yeah. sudden they're just going, and you're going, oh wow, you know, yeah. This is, I'm uh, flashing back to this cool. one little kid who just wanted to speed up. Uh, these kids that were walking across a little bridge, he goes, where's the button? Where, where, where do I click? Where do I click? Yep. Mm -hmm. And you show him and next thing you know, he's speeding up, he's slowing down and he's, you know, he's working on final cut and he's yeah. in elementary yeah, and the school. The beauty of this training, uh, you know, some, not everybody's going to become necessarily a filmmaker and that's not the point, 
but it but it gives them tangible skills mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're getting out of these programs, they can go on to university. If they're looking for jobs, mm-hmm. um, one of the things Sam is trying to do that we're, I'm helping him with is, is and uh, as well as the foundation is align these kids with jobs in social media, being mm-hmm. able to produce social media co- content for organizations, and and getting these organizations involved in the workshops. Uh, you know, just just from an altruistic perspective, but also with possible the possibility of hey, these kids are going to be the TikTokers of the future, and you know they're they're going to be you know creating you know who know, you know who knows what and whatever platform is emerging that most organizations are really behind on, and it's going to give them a nice set of skills that maybe they can plug into these organizations and and get jobs right away. Well, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I know that recent studies have shown that a major percentage, it's like over 75% of all, just in the U.S. alone, of all the U.S. companies plan on spending the bulk of their advertising dollars on video. Everybody's using video. So it's not just telling your stories, but it's also, like you said, creating jobs for these kids. I also believe that our creativity is tied directly to our brain, right? It's tied to our brain. If we can reinforce creativity and have these young people find joy in what they do, just watching the transformation that can occur is amazing. It's just amazing because it's it's giving them something tangible, something that they can say, I know how to do this. I'm really good at it. And it makes them feel like they have a real place in the world. And some of them don't feel that. So yeah, I think I'm a convert to this too. I think. Yeah, I, I think I, mean, I am cogn- too. Yeah, cognitively, they, you know, you know, from a creative perspective, you know, we tend to kind of um, look at creativity from the lens of, of the artistic lens, the filmmaker, mm-hmm. the painter, and the reality is, you look at folks creating apps or coding and or, mm-hmm. or doing whatever. Mm-hmm the amount of creativity or industrial design there there's so many areas that when you get that brain ticking in that direction of of creative process and iterating you know all that applies to so many other things and again they they're going to fall in love some of them might fall in love with the tech and go mm-hmm. hey I, I really love mm-hmm. the technology and and you'll have others go you know I'm just all about the storytelling and 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 that's great you know we don't go in there with a lot of preconceived ideas we're we're not trying to get yeah, we, we want it to be a really open platform. E- even the storytelling itself, we give it some basic structure for what they're doing as, as we're kind of mentoring them, but but we do not curate the ideas. I mean, this, these are the ideas that are coming from the kids. We just help them help them along the way. That's awesome. So are there videos up somewhere that we can already see? Or? Yeah, if, if you go to the We Make Movies uh, website, uh, I think mm-hmm. it's wemakemovies.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's quite a few videos already posted with the results and, and you can kind of take a look at it there. And, and again, some of these, some of these films, you're just like your jaw dropped at the story. And the purpose of it is not to pretend that going out with an iPhone and, and some very basic kidding in uh, in a three-day workshop where nobody's been exposed to technology is going to produce Hollywood level films. But that's not what storytelling is about. I mean, how many times have you watched a story and, and you get engulfed, immersed in that story, and it's about the story. And, and, yeah. and the minute it's a great story, you don't worry too much Mm-mm. you know, about maybe 
you know, the, the color grading of, of the, the look of the, of the work or, or whether the, the edit is perfect. You're just immersed in that story. And ultimately, you know, the story trumps everything else. And, and to have that accomplishment where now they've completed something, it's up online, it can be shared, you know, with, you know at the organization level, it can be shared, you know, across social media. Uh, all the, kid, the kids' eyes opened up. What do you mean I can post something on Instagram and it's going to be seen by as many people as, want to, as wants to see it? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a lot of their thought processes don't start from there that, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're so often told about what they can't see versus what they can see yes. or what they can't do versus what they can't do yeah. uh, to just open the door up and say, you know, doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, the story stands on its own. Now, how old is your median? What's the median age here? Because I've be seen surprised. Smartphone Studio it, work with adults too. I mean, we took yeah. Smartphone Studio to PBS in Duluth, Minnesota. And yeah, Sam's organization teaching. has done yeah. Indian reservations. Mm-hmm. It's done PBS. Mm-hmm. It's done so it, it 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 can it it can go across all demographics. With the orphanages, they tend to be all the way from six, seven year olds all the way up to fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year olds. You know, mm-hmm. re, you know, ready mm-hmm. to get out, mm-hmm. and and they work really well together. You'd be surprised, but I could see us doing this. You know, in senior facilities, I can see us doing this. You know, wherever there's a need, you know, we've mm-hmm. been talking about doing it for a, a veterans administration association of filmmakers, mm-hmm. folks that actually want to get into filmmaking, not the ones that are already doing it. But mm-hmm. again, folks that are look that have the interest and, and want to, they just want to get started doing something right away. Mm-hmm. You know, when you put kind of, a, again, traditional training in front of them and they start looking at, oh, well, I'll go to, you know, a couple semesters of theory you know, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of film schools, you don't touch a piece of equipment the first your freshman year. You, you know, you, you literally read about it, you study it. And, and there's there's value in that. I'm not discounting that completely. But in this fast paced world we're living in, you know, it's it's definitely possible to just get your hands on stuff. And if you're really in love in the, and have passion for this stuff, a lot of people will go back and start digging in. I mean, I came from a still photography background and and when I started moving into the film world, this is not what I studied. And I just immersed myself in theory. But really, after I was already doing it for a living. Hmm. Some of the best people making films started out in stills. Well, I think what, what uh, you're doing with this is you're bringing everything in that they need. You're turning on the light and you're winding them up and letting them go and, and helping them, kind of directing them and helping them with what they need to know more about in order to tell their stories. I think it's wonderful. How do you pick where you go and how many, how many kids have you helped so far? Well, um, we've, done a, we've done a couple locations up till now. Um, you know, we're, we're, in a way, we're getting started. I think we, we've done uh, two workshops at the orphanages. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of leave that to Andy. Andy knows a lot of the logistics. Okay. It's, it's a little, we've done the, the two we've done have been in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to, you know, part of one of the reasons I also joined is, you know, I speak Spanish, so I, I'd like to definitely expand it to Latin America as quickly as possible. So in, in picking the places, we work together with Andy because obviously he knows the centers. Uh, we, we'll, we'll try to group together uh, uh, like someplace like Panama, which is our first planned location in Latin America. We'll, we'll take three or four centers and actually group 
some of the kids from that center mm-hmm. from a variety of skill sets. Because whoever we train, um, something I didn't mention before, this is not about showing up and then kind of saying, hey, great, we did this and you know, let's go away and good luck. Uh, I, I did use the word mentor because we expect mm-hmm. like the top kids are going to become the mentors and continue what we're doing and we'll, we'll continue to interact with them over time. So we want to isolate those folks from multiple centers so they can go back and, and mimic what we're doing. Uh, one of the things we're working on is certainly getting, you know, right now we're kidding and getting kits in, but we're working on, you know, getting permanent equipment donations uh, so that, you know, we can leave equipment behind, you know, when possible. Mm-hmm. They, they've already got uh, a small ecosystem of technology, but it doesn't tend to be kind of media oriented. So we're, mm-hmm. we're working on that part of it right now. As you can imagine, for an organization like Starfish, you know, going through this uh, coronavirus um, quarantining that we're having, it makes it pretty difficult to fundraise. A lot of their fundraising yeah. is, is, has been traditionally galas and events. So they're, they're having to figure out a way to handle fundraising. And uh, we're also having to figure out a way of, well, we don't know how long this is going to last. So we need to figure out a way to be able to remotely interact with, with these kids mm-hmm. and do these remote workshops in a, uh, in a remote kind of way. And that, of course, depends a lot on the logistics of where, you know, the, the Internet logistics. Because in some of these outlying areas, they don't even have Internet. You know, as I travel around the world shooting for for clients, there's a lot of places I go where you don't have Internet. Andy's done a really good job of, of the centers he's worked with, of at least getting them some rudimentary Internet. And a lot of them mm-hmm. actually have some some decent Oddly enough, some of them have decent speed because some of the centers are on the outlying parts of a city. And and occasionally they're on like the fiber optics runs going into the city and they have like this ridiculously spectacular internet that I'm just oh, wow. like re- really jealous of. But but <laughs> wow. but that's the yeah, that's the minority of them. Yeah. That in itself is a challenge and, and trying to figure out how to handle that. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're working on things like, okay, well maybe um, we can send out recorded versions of something followed up by training. So mm-hmm. kind of a mix uh, a mix match. Of some, you know, short recorded training mentoring, followed by projects, followed mm-hmm. by maybe interactive reviews, mm-hmm. you know, you know, whatever we can figure out. Yeah, I think it'd be great to let them learn at their own speed, too, if you had those recorded demos of how to use the equipment and then they put it all together in stages. That's yeah, a great idea. Yeah. And then so, the software donations help, too. I mean, you know, between LumaTouch and, right. you know, now Final Cut is available for 90 days. I mean, you can, you know, within a 90 day period, you can definitely do a, do a, a lot of stuff and, mm-hmm. and do a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think I think this is wonderful. So you were talking about fundraising and how difficult it is in the times of the virus. Where do people go to find out um, how they might donate? I mean, I'm thinking some people just they don't need to go to a gala. They'll just take the money and send it to you. Right. Where do they go? Yeah. If you go to osf.org, which is the uh, URL for the Orphan Starfish Foundation, the story's there. You can read about Andy's background. You mm-hmm. can look at videos. Mm-hmm. You you can you can look at you know the company charter, even the story behind the name, which I thought was a, a pretty cool story, um, is is written out there. The starfish name comes from from a story of of a of a an older man walking on the beach. Uh, and, and I don't know, I haven't talked to Andy about this, so, uh, you know, I have no idea where this comes from, but it's an older man's walking down the beach and, and he sees like a lot of starfish at, you know, kind of low tide. 
And he thinks to himself, well, I can, you know, maybe put the starfish back in the water, but there's too many of them, you know, w- you know, what good is it going to do? So he keeps walking and he, and he kind of comes on a, on a boy who's frantically picking up starfish and throwing them in one by one. And, and he, you know, he asked the boy, hey, why are you throwing all these starfish in the water? Uh, you know, you're, you're kind of wasting your time. You know, why does it matter? You're not going to be able to save them all. And he's holding one starfish in his hand. And the boy says, well, it matters to this starfish. Oh. And, and that kind of, I, I thought that was just such a heartwarming reason to, to, to say that. Because, you know, realistically, you want to scale things. But I met some of these kids and, and you know, you know, sometimes we get caught up in numbers and uh, heck, we're in an we're in a time now where every we have all this data that's a number being thrown at us. But these are, you know, individuals and, and they're they're amazing. One, you know, if one child just, you know, this become saves their world, you know, you can make a case that that's enough. Of course, we're trying to do a lot more. But, you know, these these are uh pretty breathtaking stories, even when you talk to somebody one-on-one. I don't know what year he went full-time. Mm. Uh, he kind of did it part-time. He Fortunately, he, he was in such a good position, you know, with his job that he was able, you know, the first few years, he, he would tell anybody that wanted to hire him. And he, he used to fly like 400, 500,000 miles a year. <laughs> talk about freaking flyer miles. Jeez. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I think about it and it, you know, and I've been a freaking flyer, but never at that level. And he would tell them, well, if you want, if you want my services, uh, you've got to get me into a couple orphanages and put in two extra days, three extra days of, of time. And because he, he, you know, they loved him so much for, for how good he was at his job, that became, you know, how he started it and how he kind of expanded it early on until he was able to just say, hey, I'm going to do this full time. I was looking at the statistics and the numbers that are on the website and only 10% of the money that's donated goes towards administrative. And I think that's pretty wonderful. So you don't have, like in some charities, nonprofits, you don't have people that are making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and not using the programs to benefit those that you're trying to help. Yeah, and him coming from finance yeah. uh, is kind of is such an advantage right. because he knows how to finance a company, how to finance a project. But he also knows there's a need for transparency. And you can actually dig down through the website and even find out exactly how much they're spending per child. Yeah, so I saw that. It's like $120 yeah. a child as of yep. right now. Yep. Yeah. And what I was very impressed with, too, is that about 60% of those kids go on and, and go to college. And yeah. another 22% ends up with full-time employment uh, right after that. And and others are part-time employment. I mean, I just think it's great. It makes you feel good to be helping kids and building something to the future because you're not just affecting one starfish at a time. You're also affecting their families. I mentioned, you know, the, the girls could fall into prostitution because they don't have a choice or gangs, depending on the region of, of the world. Same thing with the boys. They, they tend to have, uh, you know, basically a life of crime in front of them because they don't have much of a choice. And, and you could say it's very easy to be idealistic and, and say, hey, everybody has a choice. But you know, until you walked in their shoes, it, it's an easier thing to say. Um, mm. so, so to be able to give them that avenue is, is, just, is just special. When I was with Andy in Panama, um, we had lunch with one of his first students who was like four or five, and, and, and she was just this glowing 
you know, ball of joy. And, <laughs> and then he gave me his, her backstory and it was just like, wow, amazing. And, and then another girl we met with, uh, another one of his first students, she's now in her late 20s and just finished her bachelor's degree all while having three kids and, and, wow. and juggling all kinds of things around. Just story after story you know, that, that you're just like, oh, I, you know, I want these stories on film, but just being around, you know, w- what they're able to achieve. And, and, and it's back to, you know, they're, they're not, they don't look at this as like they're overcoming something. This is their life. And, and they don't, you know, they, you know, they started with a, a certain, you know, a cliche. They had a, a certain hand dealt with them and they're, they're not dwelling on that hand. They're just kind of moving forward. Isn't it great when the technology that we love so much can be used for good? Yeah, and and, and ultimately that's why I got involved in this because Mm. I I think I I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of people want to do something something good or or, or something special. But when you can apply a skill set you have and someone else is benefiting from it, uh, that's like when everything aligns, you know. Mm. You know, I I, I started out at – when, you know, at Apple, you know, in the photo group with, you know, an old app called Aperture and then was heavily involved in the Final Cut Pro stuff. And to be able to now go there and, and teach some kids about it uh, and apply that skill set of, of training and, and knowledge of, of whatever I can help with is just it's just a, a gift. I mean, Sam's really given me a gift to be involved in this, as has Andy. That's really nice. So what does the organization need right now that we can tell people, put, put in their minds? What do they need? Right now they need funding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going forward, uh, as we start to expand these workshops, part, part of the uh, scope of the workshop is to involve locals. So wherever we go, we want local educators, local filmmakers, local technology people to be involved. Uh, you know, very often, you know, you'll go, you know, we'll divide the kids into small groups to on the first day to go out and sh- or the second day to go shoot some film. And we'll have somebody go along with them and mentor them. And then maybe we'll have somebody mentor them during the, you know, editing process. There's so many things you could do. So you can physically get involved down the road. And as we figure out, you know, the, how to, um, how to approach them from an online perspective. I think there'll be there'll be some things there we could use some help with, but but obviously fun. You know, it starts with funding. Uh, you know, if you look at the website, take a look at these kids, take a look at these stories, and, and if you think it's something to be involved with, you know, by all means, give what you can. Well, we're talking about um, people going to the website and checking out how they can donate. There's also an opportunity for large corporations to sponsor this and come in on a on a different level like Lumatouch has done right and uh, and other corporations like all the companies that are donating equipment there's companies out there that I'm sure would find this very appealing can you talk about that for a minute definitely if you're involved in, in any of the media creation industry uh, you can become involved either through donating gear or donating time or, or money um, and that's incredible helpful incredibly helpful I think you know you'll find the, the actual field use of the gear is a great story in itself. And, mm-hmm. and that's some, that's something that can be leveraged. But, but even if you're not involved in media and, and, you know, we have all these organizations that usually do their, a lot of their marketing is, is very product focused. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll give you the speeds and feeds or, or what's going on with a product. Um, usually these organizations have, have a, you know, a charitable or altruistic kind of group and combining those, you know, putting the finance hat on actually gives them really great ROI because people watching, 
you know, how an organization is participating in, in something altruistic is fantastic marketing for an organization. You know, folks, I think, are getting inundated now with products and now, you know, online even more so. Mm-hmm. Imagine how different it would be if you, as a big organization, you just you just said, hey, or a small organization, hey, we're involved in these workshops or with this foundation, and, and here's a story that we helped sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are missing an opportunity if they don't do that. And, and I think we're going to see that over time, that, that people are going to start taking advantage of this. What I'm most proud of are the students themselves. These are girls and boys who are destined for lives of prostitution or gangs or living on the streets, who have now overcome their horrendous abuse, abandonment, all types of things that would make you sit in a corner and, and curl up in a ball. And they've instead overcome these with the aid of the education and support that we give them, and now become bank tellers. They become owners of hair salons. They've been doctors and nurses and have families of their own. Um, and all of those cycles of abuse and poverty have been cut, and they are now in inspirations not only for us and Starfish, but for the other orphans and victims of abuse that they inspire as well. I urge everybody to go to osf.org, check it out, see how you can help. I'm speaking with Orlando Luna, who is a producer and a benefactor of the organization and somebody that's been involved in technology directly for many, many years and helping to put this whole thing together along with the good folks at We Make Movies and and the Smartphone Studio. Orlando, I I know that this time of the COVID-19 is difficult for everyone, and you're very busy, so thank you for taking the time to talk to us about this. I think it's very important. Thanks, Serena, and I look forward to, you know, maybe when this is all starts to pan out and we get back out on the road and, you know, it'd it'd be great to do another one of these and kind of give an update to everybody and, and maybe we'll... We'll have some more things to show because be I, I think uh, that would be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, let's show some let's show some more video of the transformation yeah. that happens. It's wonderful to watch. It's yep, just sure wonderful is. to watch. I do want to thank OWC too for sponsoring OWC Radio and for allowing me to do this. They're totally on the side of all of the creatives out there. So thanks to Larry O'Connor and the team at OWC. If it weren't for you. Orlando and I wouldn't be talking. All right. Well, you have a great day. Um, Regards to the family and hang in there. And thanks for doing this. Take care. Uh, Take care. Have a wonderful day. And thanks for listening.